Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. It's Big Was here with Fly on the Wall podcast. Oh, something a little different today. The uh, Just Luke, the Just Luke, <laughs> there's only one of them, has gone on a road trip to see his beloved mum for her 70th birthday. Hello, Jenny and Terry. Happy birthday, Jenny. And yeah, so he's taken his girls and he's gone for a, a very extensive road trip. I think he posted something on Instagram. Uh, and it's a 4,000 kilometre round trip. So it is not something to be taken lightly, but it's going to be great. Uh, and so I wish him all the best. I hope he has a great time with his girls. And yeah, up there seeing family and friends and everything like that. So you've got me. You've got Big Woz for the evening. Luke encouraged me to do an episode by myself. Probably to see me quake in my boots uh, and get a bit of a sweat going. It's not something that I'm particularly used to, uh, and it's not something I'm necessarily comfortable with compared to maybe, you know, hanging out with him and having a chat, because you've got someone to bounce the conversation back and forth between. But I thought, you know what, I'll give it a red hot go. He throws a suggestion at me, I do tend to take it on. Why? Because I don't come up with my own ideas. <laughs> uh, no, but not so much that. I just thought, yeah, you know what, why not? Rather than having to... Uh, make anyone else subject themselves to the torture that is Fly on the Wall podcast, uh, I could do this episode. And then next week, perhaps I will get a special guest because it is two weeks that I am without his lordship, um, which is a, a very strange set of circumstances to be in. But yeah, not unwelcome. Oh, this person's turning. That's fine, mate. You turn. You turn. You've got the road. Own the road. So tonight... Now, I don't have one sort of singular theme, and we don't tend to always have one singular theme. We talk shit for quite a big portion of time at the start, and then we might have, you know, a bit of a... Luke likes to call them deep dives. I call them a shallow paddle into some of the subject matter that we uh, that we have a look into. We have a typically uh, verbose and, well, you know, informative, but in a certain kind of casual way in the subjects that we look at. And I thought, I think I might have spoken about this the last time that Luke went on a road trip to Queensland, like in terms of road trips themselves and different things, you know, different, I guess, locations and different trips, different famous trips that people kind of plan to go on or it's on their bucket list. And, uh, you know, it's always been like a long-held dream. And, And then that got me thinking about some of the place names that we have in Australia too because I was looking at, uh, you know, famous Victorian uh, road trips and then one of them was the Twelve Apostles which is a, a sort of a marine um, park, I suppose, reserve along the coast, the southwest coast of Victoria. Um, very sort of exposed bit of coastline there so it's an eroded uh, set of rocks and cliff face along the southern coast. Beautiful area and and really worth 
doing the drive if you ever do make your way down to uh, sunny Melbourne town at Victoria. But it's it, it amused me that, of course, it was called the Twelve Apostles, and I'm assuming at some uh, point in time there were twelve. But I find it amusing that there's eight. So they've eroded and collapsed. In fact, I can recall, um, I think one of them or two of them in my lifetime have actually collapsed. And so I'm thinking one day, you know, there's only going to be one little apostle left. And they're still going to call the landscape there the 12 apostles. When you've essentially just got 12 piles of stone poking up out of the ocean. Not looking particularly impressive at all. People are just like, oh yeah, it used to be the 12 apostles. It's a really great spot to visit. 50 fucking years ago. So I wondered if they might change it to being, you know, once were the apostles. Or the apostles no more. I don't know. Something poetic and pretty. I'm just picking my daughter up from work. So you'll have to excuse the uh, background sounds of the car running and the car stopping. And then I'll probably cut this intro short when she emerges because there's no way... Uh, she's going to want to listen to me talking on the way home. Um, see, Luke's family like to get uh, involved, and they don't mind. They're very comfortable. They'll have a chat. They'll have a laugh. They'll have a giggle. They'll um, they'll have their own stuff to bring up or ask. But um, with the exception of my eldest, I would say the, the rest of my kids are fairly shy and reserved. Um, that's probably because I beat them almost nightly. No, I don't actually. And I feel bad even saying it in a joking way. Um, yeah, they're just more shy really. So I don't tend to, to put it in front of them that often, not without severe planning beforehand, script writing, editing, um, and then some rehearsals as well, just like a good play. Uh, okay. No, sorry. Back to the landmarks. It made me think of what other deceptive landmark names there are in Victoria and also, you know, maybe around Australia. I'm sure there's plenty around the world once we start looking. Another one that uh, makes me curious is the 90 Mile Beach, which is actually out in far east Gippsland, which is the southeast end of Victoria. Um, A beautiful area again. In fact, I tend to prefer the eastern part of our state. It's a little bit more wilderness. Um, It's a little further out. But it's also, I don't know, there's something about it that uh, I like. It's a little more quaint. It's maybe a little less touristy. There's more uh, rural and farm areas out there. So if you ever get a chance to come here and you like the sound of that too, I would highly recommend a a bit of a road journey out into the east of the state. But yeah, 90 Mile Beach is in fact, well, it's not far off. It's 94 miles long, 151 kilometres. So I was thinking it was going to be some ridiculously out uh, number, you know, like 61 kilometres. It just doesn't ring out quite as well, does it, as 90 Mile Beach. In fact, I think there's a few 90 Mile Beaches in the world. People just like that title. Um, But then I was also thinking about that we, in our Grundy Brothers saga, uh, you might recall in the, I think we did a song where we're talking about, oh, that was our intro song. What am I talking about? There's some funny uh, place names that are slipped in through the intro song. And really, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the kind of crazy names in Australia for places, towns, 
mining camps, whatever they are. Um, and I know that I brought up with Luke on another episode about some of the names in you know, the American uh, Southwest and Midwest, some of them a lot to do with kind of, you know, I guess the gold boom, you know, like um, the Twin Arrows and uh, Bullet Man. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But, yeah, similar things like that. So I'm going to read out a few of those later as well. I have some Chuck Norris facts for you because, as you might recall, I'm not a fan of jokes. Luke likes to, to uh, try to get me laughing with a joke once in a while. He has a seemingly endless supply of jokes in the back of his head that he can just pull out at random and just test me with them. Well, infuriate me or test me. I'm not always that sold on them. But I will admit, I always appreciate the fact that he can retain them. I have absolutely no retention for jokes. I have little retention for most things unless they're extremely boring or about the Cold War. Um... So I thought co uh, Cock Norris facts, <laughs> Chuck Norris facts would be a good way to let you in on some of the humour I find funny. Uh, I also have another joke to kick us off in a minute. Calm down. I know you're chomping at the bit here to know what I actually want to say. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some music that I've been listening to lately. I sort of rediscovered. So the bands that I've known bands that I've loved and then for whatever reason or another um, I haven't listened to them as much or I've not listened to particular songs because they weren't the ones I was maybe as familiar with uh, back in the day when I was listening to them basically all the time you know just on repeat um, and lately and particularly because I've been busy at home just uh, doing a few jobs around the house I seem to go for a certain kind of music when I'm working and it's been an interesting little journey. And then the other night I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, you know, I might get the headphones out and just have a listen. I was exhausted because I'd had quite a, a long day, um, not even at work, <laughs> just at home, you know. And I just sat there and I was listening through some, some music as well. And I thought I would share that with you as well. Now, before I go on a little break, I'll tell you my joke to kick things off for tonight. Episode 151 of Fly on the Wall podcast. Once upon a time, there was a king who was only 12 inches tall. He was a terrible king, but he made a great ruler. Kick a pow! G'day, guys. Luke here, Fly on the Wall podcast, uh, obviously. Um... Just went to Bunnings, which is a uh, hardware store here in Victoria, Australia, and um, got my stuff. And as I was heading back towards my car, I saw that a uh, another car just pulled in to like the car park space next to mine. Sort of didn't really pay any attention. But then, as I was about to get into my car, I saw the guy get out of his car and was quite taken aback by the size of his head. Now, unlike our good friend and co-host and hero of the show, Flying Wall Podcast, Mr. Big Woz, um, this guy's head was going in the opposite direction. So, very, very small. Now, his body was, um, I'd say, fairly average. He was actually kind of a fit bloke. Like, he was probably maybe 50-something, but he looked pretty fit, you know, like a uh, solid, fit, you know, athletic sort of body with a tiny fucking head. 
Like, really, he had a shaved head, big ears, so that sort of made his head look even smaller. So he looked like, if you know what a, what a hardware piece is called a wingnut, he looked like a wingnut. Um, yeah, really small head. And then what made, luckily I was getting into the car, so I, I was able to get into the car and then start laughing rather than just start laughing maniacally at this dude um, because his, his kids were getting out of the back of the car and when he spoke to them, it, <laughs> he had a particularly high tone voice. He was like, come on guys, we're gonna go to Like a jockey. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if he's had some sort of accident where his head has been shrunken and obviously including his voice box. So therefore, I don't know if that's a scientific thing <laughs> or medical thing, but small head, small voice is uh, how I am, <laughs> how, what my conclusion was. Uh, yeah, so it gave me a bit of a chuckle and sat there in the car laughing at about it and I thought I'd better tell the good folks listening to episode 151 of the podcast. Cheers. It's the Fly on the Wall motherfucking podcast. Okay, blessed friends. And we're back here. <laughs> uh, Big was here. Episode 151, Fly on the Wall podcast. How you going? Hope you're having a great week so far. Hope it was a good weekend. Uh, I hope wherever you are in the world, that you're safe, happy and well. If that's not the case at the moment, depending on your location, I hope that you soon will be. Um, And know that hopefully, if you can listen to some podcasts, whatever it might be, or you can still, I don't know, listen to a radio show or watch something that you might have recorded on your phone or whatever that gives you a little bit of joy, uh, maybe even Fly on the Wall podcast can be a small part of that. If it brings a smile to your face, then that's a good thing. It can only be a good thing. But on with tonight. Tonight's episode will be the exception <laughs> because you won't get the same degree of giggles and hijinks with me. Because by nature, I'm a slightly drier husk of a man. And uh, I'm probably harder to amuse than some. But I have a right old good laugh at just Luke's uh, sense of humour. And also when he's been quite wrong. What I like about him is that he can shock the shit out of me, even 25 years later, with some of his comments. (laughs) Because I won't have even thought of something lewd. Even after all these episodes and all the conversations that ever came before it and happened in the background. I don't think of these things, so it still shocks me up to this very day when he comes back with something that is crude, but makes me fucking lose myself with laughter. I appreciate that about him, and so, you know, definitely an element that'll be missing from this episode, but doesn't mean we won't have a good time. Now, what we were going to be talking about, or at least while I'm driving anyway, before I need to actually look at my phone, I do have some Chuck Norris facts for you, and I thought, just so, you know, we filter it through the episode, so it's not too much in one go, I'm just reading out a whole bunch of them. I went with, so I'll bring them up at the end of this little section here, so don't worry, but just to talk about them, I wanted to go for some that I hadn't actually read before. There's a couple in there, just because I like them. 
that I have seen. I think two of them. I've got nine. Um, but the others are actually fairly, well, as far as my understanding goes, they're fairly new. Um, I don't necessarily get a weekly update of Chuck Norris facts. I know that's hard to believe. I'll normally just once in a while I'll be like, Chuck Norris facts, yeah, they're an amusing read. And I have a bit of a look-see. In fact, coincidentally, it was Luke's dad, uh, Terry, that put me onto them in the first place. I think he had like a printed out sheet of them. And he just said, here was, have a bit of a read of that and see what you think. You know, they're pretty funny. Have a bit of a chuckle. And I did. I actually, I remember I had tears in my eyes. Um, it wasn't because he was squeezing my, me by the testicles or anything. And I was reading them out loud and I thought it was great. I just love the stupidity behind them. But I like how people have taken some well-known phrases and sayings and kind of put the twist in there with Chuck Norris. I think some of them are very, very clever. Some of them are obvious rip-offs of ones that have come before. And so they don't have that same quality about them. And listen to me talking about Chuck Norris facts like they have some kind of class. But they're actually cool because most of them are fairly gentle jokes. You know, they're they're cheesy. They're sort of the ultimate dad joke. But yeah, I don't know. Something about them makes me laugh. Look, anyone who can quote a Chuck Norris fact into the Expendables movies. I mean, if a, if a Chuck Norris fact can be quoted in an Expendable movie, how bad can it be? That's what I ask you. Um, okay, so earlier I was talking about the fact that I rediscovered or maybe, I don't know, had them stand out more to me. Some songs that perhaps I hadn't realised that I, I liked so much. Um, I've been doing some work at home, like out in the front garden. I've recently built like a pergola roof. Um, and now just recently, just over the weekend, I've done some paving. Uh, I've also built like a, a, a made out of sleepers. I've built like a, a raised garden bed at one end. So, you know, numerous hours of work there getting that stuff kind of organised. And I've realised what I like to listen to when I'm doing that kind of work. Something sort of semi-physical but semi sort of trade oriented so you know I've got the I'm digging holes but I'm also you know bolting stuff in and um yeah cutting stuff up and getting it lined up using the spirit level it's a bit of a mixture of things with landscaping and, and garden construction and I like old hard rock so ACDC Led Zeppelin Deep Purple um what else would there be? That's probably it. I love those three. And then, you know, occasionally something will sort of pop up in there and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. A bit of Queen. A bit of Queen's all right. The Beatles. Um, but I tend to like Abbey Road the most. I think I've probably said that in the past. But, yeah, I, I like that era. But I've also discovered I quite like Guns N' Roses as music to listen to while I'm doing that stuff. Because I was quite obsessed as a young teenager. I think I... I first probably heard November Rain, uh, and I listened to that a lot at the time. I remember it being in the, the radio countdown, and, and I would listen to the whole countdown just to get to November Rain. Uh, and then I, I listened to some more, you know, because people were listening to it at school. It was like year eight at the time when I first heard them and first got into them. And back then, back in the, I guess, early to mid-90s, 
recording CDs onto a, a tape was a really popular thing to do because somebody might buy the album and you know people still bought the tape as an album as well but a lot of people would buy the CD as the album you just simply record that onto a tape and you know friends would always do that for each other you'd always do a recording you'd say oh look I've got the Metallica or I've got this um, Pearl Jam one and you're like, oh cool would you mind making a, a recording for me and you'd either give them a blank tape or just give them some shitty old one and say don't worry just tape over it and you could and that was kind of the cool thing about that sort of stuff and there was an excitement in getting a tape of new music um, that you didn't have to pay for <laughs> um, and there was also the the kind that you record off the radio so you'd sit there the whole countdown with it on record play and pause and just unpause it every time you know a song that you'd been kind of aching to get a, a recording of would come up it'd be kind of cool um, but back then so year eight it was I there was a, a girl in my class who was a big Gunners fan as well and so I think I had at that stage I think I might have had like a good tape recording of Appetite for Destruction and that's why I know it so well I think uh, I also had a pretty decent uh, ta- I actually bought the album on tape of Use Your Illusion 1 but then I didn't have Use Your Illusion 2, which came out, I think it was either simultaneously or it was later in the same year, because they were basically both done somewhat as a double album, but I think maybe released separately. I'm not entirely sure. I was a young man. I don't know. Um, and I, I think I heard a couple of the tracks off that as singles on radio, like Civil War was definitely one. But other than that, I think there was probably less off that that seemed to get the same kind of airplay that number one did. And the tape recording that this girl had done for me, which I appreciated, I obviously still loved it, it was actually a fucked CD. The CD was absolutely rooted. Um, Which, you know, it had scratches all over it, probably scuffs and things. And the first maybe four or five songs were good. Uh, the odd little hop, and it records the hop too, you know, it records the whole thing. And then the, the second half was absolutely gone, like you really couldn't listen to it and enjoy it because, yeah, there was nothing really there to listen to, you just got bits and pieces. Now, I never really chased it up, like I didn't actually go out. By the time I probably uh, got into uh, year nine and then year ten, starting to listen to some more grunge and some more Metallica and stuff like that. And so I never really appreciated it. So I listened to Use Your Illusion 2 a lot more over the last few weeks while I've been doing these other little projects. And I've found I'm a huge fan. I really like it. I really like it. Um, There's a song on there. It's a nine and a half minute song. It's kind of, it's distinctly Guns N' Roses. Like it's got a real flavour of Guns N' Roses, not just a country rock song that, that sometimes they've done, it's not just all-out ballad, it's called Estranged, and I, when I first listened to it, I'm like, this sounds like I should know it, but I don't, and I remember, I remember this track was really badly hopping and skipping and jumping, and I was really peed off that it wasn't working well, and so... It actually really has grown on me. It's got a strong melody. It's got a strong lead line. It's got a couple of different kind of sections in it that changes character. And it's obviously very long. It's like an epic piece. And I found that I'm a really big fan of it. 
Um, and I've re-listened to it several times. So I feel like it's like a rediscovery. It's like, wow, I'd never realized there was this little gem of a track. Um, and there's plenty on there that's great uh, that I recall liking. Actually, I, I wrote some down because I was thinking about the very last track on Use Your Illusion 2 is called My World. And it's a fairly short little thing, and it's very different to the rest of the album. It actually goes into an industrial uh, rock, industrial hard rock, industrial metal, if you like, uh, kind of flavor there for a minute. And it's really cool. It's actually really cool, considering that's what, 92, 93. Um, yeah, I think there was probably, there were bands doing industrial. I think um, Ministry was probably already doing a lot of stuff like that. But it was really cool. Really liked it. And uh, my the other song on there as well, I always remember the intro to it. And I think my copy of it was actually still pretty good, but I hadn't heard it for years. And I was like, yeah, that's right. This is fucking great. So I found myself, you know, bopping around in the garden, doing whatever I'm doing. And it makes a job really enjoyable when you've got something that you enjoy in the background. So that uh, was pretty tied up. And it's got this really cool start to it. It's like... Um, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It doesn't really fit anything. It's just distinctly Gunners as well. So yeah, really rediscovered my love for Gunners, and I've been listening to Appetite for years, years and years of Appetite for Destruction, and I it'll never, you know, I'll never get sick of it. But just to have this as a new kind of package of of good stuff, really loved it. Um, and then for whatever reason, I was just listening to post grunge stuff. I was interested in what the genre kind of was defined as, and it's you know as it sounds has a grunge element to it. The song kind of topics, um, the lyrical content, even some of the kind of tone of it, the instruments have still got that sort of more uh, sludgy, kind of fuzzy guitars. The riffing and stuff like that is very similar, but there's more polish. I think that was the the overarching um, thing that changed when we went into post-grunge era, it was like, yes, it's like Nirvana. Yes, it's like Pearl Jam, um, but it's cleaner. It's more commercially viable. It's kind of fresher. Now, back in the years that they were new songs, we would have hated them as mates. You know, we would have been like, fucking what? This is shit. Like uh, Creed and Bush and Three Doors Down and probably a whole boatload of others. Um, but in retrospect, and so I'm not saying that I love them anywhere near like the stuff that we, we always did enjoy, but now I suppose when you look at some of the new music coming out and the new rock and it, I don't know, it's, it all seems derivative of that stuff from the old days anyway. So I look back at that stuff with more of a fondness than I ever did. So I was the other night when I had these headphones on and I was listening and I was just going through stuff that I would never listen to. I would never normally pick it out and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to this song. I'm going to listen to Creed. <laughs> I would never do that. And I hate the clips. I hate the the way the guy looks. I hate the melodramatic way they perform. I hate it. <laughs> but you can't deny some of the songs actually have a real kind of hooky, catchy uh, element to them, and some of the riffs are pretty good too. So, you know, for all things considered, I'm not going to complain. I, I think that it's good to have music that you can reappreciate. 
but a couple of others that I rediscovered in this little journey as well, because I, I found myself looking at some new metal. I'd listen, I've never been a big fan of corn, but I was listening to listened to a few tracks of corn. But you know what? Still doesn't do much for me, to be honest. But then when it was just doing that kind of playlist where it was post-grunge, new metal, you know, mid to late 90s, early 2000s, Puddle of Mud came up. And I'd completely have forgotten about the song, She Hates Me. Now, I don't know if anyone's familiar with that song, but it's got a great catchy chorus. She fucking hates me. Like, it's just a really good anthemic uh, nihilistic kind of anthem. It's cool. I like it. I like it. Um, another one that I, I knew well, and I was a big fan of Ugly Kid Joe back in the time. I don't remember anyone else going, hey, man, yeah, I fucking love Ugly Kid Joe. Ugly Kid Joe is like the bastard brother that does pretty well at everything, but no one really admits that they like them very much. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, they've done a great, yeah, they're looking good today. Yeah, sharp suit. Yeah, no, good job. Yeah, no, they're doing great. Fuck him. It's like no one wants to have anything. No one wants to have anything to do with them. <laughs> I've never heard people say, "Yeah, uh, Ugly Kid Joe is my favorite band." But I had an era there where I really dug them. I thought they were cool. It was like everything you like about Guns and Roses meets with uh, a little bit of a maybe a sprinkling of a Metallica flavor. And a few other slightly heavier bands, like just the production and the riffs and stuff like that. I really loved it. My mates like to tease me over my understanding of how songs were recorded because, you know, they'll often sample something or they'll have a funny voice between songs. And I asked once, is that the lead singer? And quite clearly, it's not the lead singer. But whatever reason, I thought when they perform these things, when they record them, it must be just one person in a booth doing all the voices because that's what I'd do. That's what Luke would do. Anyway, but all things aside, there's a song on their album, America's Least Wanted, um, that was called Panhandling Prince, and I really dig that piece as well. It's just a really cool uh, song about being a garbo. <laughs> I really like it. Uh, there's a few on there that are great, like um, Neighbour and... Um, Everything About You and Goddamn Devil. There's some great pieces on there. And then there's Cats in the Crater, which is the one that people probably all remember. That's the one that really got them, I think, airplay in the first place. But, yeah, I've just been enjoying all that stuff of that era. People probably going, oh, midlife crisis, asshole. But, yeah, something about it has just appealed to me lately, so it's been fun. Now, I'm going to go, but I'm going to give you three Chuck Norris facts for this part before I come back. All right, because I know you've been sitting there waiting for me to shut the fuck up so I could say it. All right, so here are my first three Chuck Norris facts. Number one, when Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, you're the man of the house now. <laughs> I like that one. I like to build up the visual in my head too. COVID-19, sorry, number two. COVID-19 is desperate to, de to develop a vaccine against Chuck Norris. Number three. Champions are the breakfast of Chuck Norris. And I'll be back after these short messages. The world coming to an end, man. Torture you. That's a good that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. 
sorry, did I break your concentration? <laughs> Glenn, how are you, mate? My name's Luke. My name's the gorgeous Glenn. And I'm just Luke, yeah. That's you're it. just Luke, but yeah. you're not really just, are you? Someone recently was saying to me, um, oh, I may, maybe it was my daughter. She was like, why are you just Luke? Yeah. I'm like, well, because we couldn't think of anything. So, and then one was like, well, just, just what about, Luke. What about sexy Luke? <laughs> yeah, nah. I quite like just Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I'm not really gorgeous. You are. I'm not gorgeous. You are. And you're not just. So yeah, yeah, true. You're gorgeous, yeah. Luke, and I'm just Glenn. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But Keith is little, little, yeah, <laughs> little. Wh- what, what were you calling? And him? was is big. <laughs> what did you call me the other night? Little, little coif. Oh, coif. Yeah, I can't. I don't understand why we've never called Keith Queef. Queef. As a, as, you know, yeah, a as pussy a fart. <laughs> pussy fart. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've never thought of that before. Keith, Keith would be a smelly pussy fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because as we were, we were talking earlier in your kitchen, yep. Keith likes to fart on us pretty much, doesn't he? <laughs> and we were talking about how much he's, how much of an arsehole he is <laughs> that he'll fart in our kitchens while yeah. we're preparing food. <laughs> and no matter how many times we, we tell him not to do it, he still does it. Yeah, he does this little cheeky smile. Because he knows he's going to get away with it. Because we never punch him in the throat or anything. Or well, maybe we, we should. should. Maybe yeah. we should queef on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, g'day, hey, guys. Yeah, this is uh, another Tarantino uh, movie mm-hmm. review. We're just deciding or just trying to figure out how many we've done. Okay. We've done Jackie Brown. Well, the first one we've done was oh. Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. Natural yes. Born Killers. Natural yeah, Born sorry, Killers. Sorry, yep. Yeah. Then Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Then Death, Death Proof. Proof. And then this and one. Which is actually number four. Yeah, so yep. which is what we're doing, Glenn. We're, tonight we are starting with the Kill Bill, so, well, not quite Volume. Yeah, Kill Bill Volume 1. Volume 1, yeah. Yep. So, which now, is actually Tarantino's fourth movie oh, as well. Oh, so. well, there you go. There you go. Now, we're, yeah. not, we're not doing it in any particular order. I just thought, I haven't seen this one for quite a while, and I just thought, oh, let's jump into uh, the Kill Bill. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed it. Well, um, how, I was thinking, do you have any listeners out there mm. that would cr- absolutely crack the shits if they found out we were doing Kill Bill Volume 2 first. <laughs> There's a guy, hang on a second, you can't fucking do that. I'm not sure, but, but I don't reckon you would want to do it that yeah, way either. I, I yeah. was actually going to say that would probably be fucking me. And I was just going to say as well, like straight away after I said about doing Kill Bill Volume 1, yeah. you were straight away like, yeah, okay, we'll do Volume 2 soon. Yeah. So you're a bit more of a completionist, aren't you? You need to go like, oh, well, we did that one. We need to do the other that, one straight away. That just, yeah, that feels So natural, if I suddenly said, no, no, we'll do Pulp Fiction first. Would you be like, what the I, fuck? I, I'd just be rocking backwards and forwards. Can I fucking do it? Yeah, yeah. So that's fair enough. Yeah. I, I understand yep. that. So, yeah, Kill Bill Volume 1 tonight. Yep. Um, I've seen this one quite a few times, so I'm fairly yeah. familiar with it. And mm-hmm. there's some very iconic scenes in it. And I, uh, I'm i more familiar with Volume 1 than I am Volume 2. I remember okay. Volume 2 going, it was good, but it wasn't as great as the Volume 1. I actually... First time around when I saw both these movies, I actually preferred Volume 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there was something to was that felt more familiar Tarantino about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, whereas enough, yeah. I think Volume 1 was, was sort of more, sort of a bit more crazy and out yeah. there sort of thing. Definitely a step away. I mean, all these movies have got that element to it where it's a bit nuts and a bit crazy and, and full-on violent and like yeah, uber-violent yep. sort of thing. Yep. Um, but this one, yeah, did I remember seeing it for the first time and going, yeah, it doesn't feel like a Tarantino no. movie, except yep. for it's got Uma Thurman in it. Yep. But it felt very... 
like anime, you know, and obviously there's yes, a lot of yeah. anime in it because he did that because of the 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 censor thing was it or something because how much blood there was. I think that was more the the end, the final fight. He actually changed it to black and white, right? So yeah. he could okay. avoid this censorship with the amount of blood with the crazy eight or whatever. Yeah, the crazy eighty eight. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He actually changed it to black and white so they can avoid ah, the, getting okay. an X rating. Yeah, because even the so even the anime scenes, I thought they were. Really, really well done, yeah, yes. and worked worked in the sense that if it had been real life actors, it would have been a bit too much to even fucking see, you know. Yeah, so exactly. I think it's yeah. good that they jumped over for the anime for that. So I think it was a smart move. So yeah, I'm actually quite excited to watch it. Um, yeah, me too. Again, after, me too. Uh, it's probably been, I think it's been about two or three years since I've seen it. I reckon I would have seen it maybe 2019. We're in 2022 now, so yeah, yeah, yeah maybe 2018, yeah. 2019. Yeah, same here. It's been a few years since I've seen it too. So Yeah, it's a good one. And he, obviously uh, everyone knows that Quentin Tarantino's got a bit of a thing for feet. Yes, Women's he does. feet. And yeah. Uma Thurman's feet in particular, I think. And yeah. And now Margot Robbie's feet. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I, love, I would show every inch of Margot Robbie that there is. <laughs> she is... I would um, even lick... Her feet. <laughs> <laughs> she is, yeah. She's de- like I don't really pay attention to female celebrities like I did when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, so I sort of go, I don't know who that is, and yeah, she's pretty, but you know, but when Margot Robbie came along, it was definitely like, oh wow, yeah, she is actually quite a standout. I, I remember re- I hadn't had that feeling since I first saw like Charlize Theron sort of thing back yeah. in the day, and was like, yeah. oh wow, yeah, quite attractive. I am. Um, I pretty much fall in love with every actress that I've seen on screen since <laughs> yeah. I was a little kid, especially in Tarantino movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm cool. ready to get stuck in. You um, ready to get stuck in? Yep. All right, let's do it. We'll come back for an intermission about halfway through the movie and give you some uh, maybe some movie facts and stuff then. Yep, cool. See you soon. We're back in. Yeah. Uh, you're with Luke and... Gorgeous Glenn again. We're, we're talking Kill Bill Volume, volume 1. one. Oh. We're about halfway through. Uh, you got your facts, Glenn? I do. Oh, shit. Fucking say. hell. I'll pause it. <laughs> All right. Let's try that again. Yeah, so we're the intermission for uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. Yeah. Um, we're up to the bit where, for people, I'm guessing most people have seen it. So, when, you know, yeah. spoiler alert. If anybody's but... listening to your podcast that hasn't seen it, stop it, go watch it right now. Yeah. And then come back and, and jump back to us. into this spot. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, we're up to the bit where uh, she's basically gone and got a sword from yes. yep. Harito. Um, Haranzo. Uh, oh, my God. Isn't just... it Harito Haranzo? No. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, guy, we're just fucking watching it. Yeah, we are sad. Um, yeah, but from the uh, the master weaponsmith, obviously over in Japan, went and yep. got her samurai sword, a katana. Yep. And uh, yeah, she's ready to go after Orenshi. Is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucy oh. Liu's character. Yep. The f- I think that's the first one she goes after on yeah. the list. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So we've obviously seen her go after um, what was her name? Um, what was oh. the. The Co- wasn't it? Was a cotton mouth? No, no, that's uh, that's, that's Shi. Yeah, that's her code name. Copperhead. Oh, Copperhead. Copperhead. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we've seen the knife fight with her in mm-hmm. the in the house. That's awesome. That that's was some, really well done. Oh, really good choreography in there in the fighting. It's really intense, and uh, I think you said um, how powerful Uma Thurman's character is. Yeah. Well, the um, 
Well, it's all. I guess all the females in the in the yeah. movie mm. have all um, got really cool fighting styles and stuff like that. And yeah, fighting each other like um, they don't seem to ha- they seem to be of equal strength. Yeah, and it's brutal. Like there's yeah, no holding yeah. back, and yeah, I think exactly. that's really cool. Really over the and top. I think it's one of the one of the first movies that I'd seen where it'd been that level of violence and it was women doing it, you know? Yeah. It was, you know what I mean? Like really it, you're used to seeing all the action dudes uh, in the in the 70s, 80s, 90s and stuff like that. But this was the first time I, I remember seeing a movie and going, wow, the women are fucking brutal and they're kicking ass and it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, and yeah, we've got those iconic scenes in the hospital where she uh, she wakes up from after being shot in the head and being comatose for four years, wakes up and has the realization that one of the uh, it's really disturbing. One of the hospital orderlies yeah. has been basically hiring her out to be a cum bucket for <laughs> fucking for four years. sick fucking people who yeah. want to have sex with her. Yeah, and it's described in very graphic detail too. Yeah. Kind of makes the stomach churn. It does, and it's very disturbing, but then the best part obviously is that she gets revenge on these assholes. On Buck. On Buck, yeah. yeah. I'm Buck and I'm here to fuck. <laughs> yeah, she fucks him up, something shocking. Yeah. So that's cool. cool. And, then, and then, yeah, and then she's in the pussy wagon car and she's uh, uh, willing herself to move her feet, her toes and her feet and yeah and yeah and then she's off to japan and blah 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 so that's yep. where we're up to uh you got some facts for us glenn i do um so uh this one here according to quentin tarantino and uma <coughs> thurman in the doc- dvd documentary the idea for kill bill um oh for the, the idea for kill bill uh, began during the filming of pulp fiction oh the two began talking about the kinds of movies they like to do, and Quentin said he would like to do a 70s style kung fu flick. Uh, Uma came up with the film's opening shot of her beating up and wearing a wedding gown. Beating oh. up and wearing a wedding gown. Okay, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, so it dates back all the way to Pulp Fiction, which is yeah. only... 94. Well, the, so yeah, there's only like a nine-year gap between the two. But, yeah. um, but that's yeah. cool, though, that they sort of had that idea, blossomed from that, and then they stuck with it and went, yep, you know what, let's see that through and go with it. I think that's kind of yeah, cool, actually. Yeah, it is very cool. Yeah. Man, we've had lots of ideas for movies over the years. There was one uh, where we were going to film Kurt Cobain licking a rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, we actually, I don't think he would have gone for that, would he? No, he wouldn't have. No, and plus he was already dead by that, by that stage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We've had a few ideas. I remember um, years ago you had a great idea about a heavily... A heavy dialogue movie. You remember that idea? Oh, yeah. You weren't exactly sure what it was going to be or how we were going to piece it together, but you liked the idea of it being something threatening. Well, the idea of um, it sort of it's like a mix of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, well, well, just Reservoir Dogs, really, where somebody gets kidnapped. Yeah. And they're sitting in the chair and you've got four, four guys who are part of like a gang or a mm. group or something and they're discussing on how whether to kill this person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you sort of see you sort of see shots of the gang through the, the mask that they've got on the guy who's on kidnapped. On the person who's kidnapped. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I think we should still do it. Oh Jesus. Why not? I think it'd be cool. I think we could use a garage as the room. <laughs> well who are we gonna get in the mask? Well we could have because so us three boys, yeah. me, you, Keith Warren, um, we could have just three guys talking about how they're gonna kill Keith. <laughs> yeah, and he's sort of begging for his life under the mask. Well, yeah, and what what I kind of like is the idea is that 
that's the opening scene is like there's these people standing around trying to figure out how they're going to get rid of this guy. Yeah. And then bit by bit, as the viewer, you're piecing it together like, oh, okay. Well, so oh, yeah. It goes the, back and tells the story of each of the guys. Yeah, And how yeah. they got themselves in the situation and how it led all up to that. And maybe the twist is the person that's being kidnapped is actually the bad guy. You know what I mean? Like you go, you. it's made yeah. out to be the three people that have kidnapped him and the bad guys, but it's yeah. actually the person who's been kidnapped who is actually the nasty piece of work. And then everybody knows what our movie's going to no, watch yeah. it now. Someone's <laughs> writing it all down and making millions already <laughs> as a screenwriter. Quinn Tarantino's <laughs> written it down and he's going to fucking steal it off us. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway so yeah, let's yeah, jump into some Kill more Bill. facts on uh, Kill Bill. Um, uh, another one here, stunt woman Zoe Bell, which you might remember she was in Death Proof. She was yep. the New Zealander. Oh, yeah, she yeah. She actually worked on this as well. Injured her back while working on this film but didn't mention it for fear of being replaced. Oh, so what stunt did she have to do? Well, she well, I don't know what she did, but she was the stunt double for Uma Thurman. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, cool. Another one here. I wonder if the oh. Bell, because you remember how um, the the girl that she kills in the kitchen... In mm-hmm. the house, yep. her husband is Doctor Bell, Doctor Lawrence Bell. So yeah, I wonder well, if they took go. the name a l- from yeah, a little yeah, homage. Zoe's dad or something. Um, Warren Beatty was originally oh. offered the role of Bill, but uh, after turning it down, he suggested Quentin Tar- Tarantino use uh, David Carradine. Oh, okay. Who yeah. actually is is Bill? So, Did Warren Beatty um, <laughs> regret it ever since? Uh, probably. Could have made cries, some money. Cries himself to sleep overnight. Yeah. Warren's always making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not that Warren, it's our Warren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, turning, cool. Turning down guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got any more? Uh, well, maybe we'll save, it for, save a few you, more for later. Glenn. Yeah, One more, Glenn. Go hours. on, mate. One oh, more. Okay. Um, Jesus, mate, you've put me on the spot here. And like I said before, Quentin Tarantino's clearly got a thing for feet, as we always know. Um, well, and he, I yeah, think he there's, some, uh, there's some close-ups of Uma Thurman's feet. I, I think the shot in the van where she's trying to get her feet to move, yeah. and it says 13 hours later, mm. Quinn Tarantino would have been filming her feet yeah. for 13 hours. Jerking off for 13 <laughs> hours. <laughs> uh, and I've got to say, like, I don't think uh, Uma Thurman's unattractive, but I don't like her feet or her hands. Yeah, well, she yeah. didn't. I didn't have very attractive feet, but nah, um, but whatever floats your boat, I suppose. Quinton. Oh man, I'm just trying. Oh, here we go. Uh, the Wilhelm scream. You know what the Wilhelm scream oh, yeah. is? Oh! Yeah, it's in lots yeah, of movies. It's yeah. used twice during the Battle of the House of the Blue Leaves. Oh, did you know that um, Rogue One? You know Rogue One. Yes, I do. That's the only Star Wars movie that they didn't use the the Wilhelm scream. All well, the others they've used it. That's not a real Star Wars movie, then, is it? <laughs> Did they use That's it in Solo? Uh, oh, good question. Good question. I'll have to look into. You'll have to look into it. Yeah. On this particular documentary I was watching, they were talking about that that was the only movie that didn't have the Wilhelm scream. But maybe Solo hadn't come out yet. Hotori Hanzo. That's, oh, that's, that's the, the name of the sword, the yeah. Hotori yeah. Hanzo. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we'll come back with our final thoughts at the end of this uh, segment after we watch the second half of Kill Bill Number 1. You're listening to Final Podcast. Glenn's getting in the car. We are, we're at Glenn's house, but he insisted on recording in the car. Yeah. Because he's ashamed. Well, we, that way we can both have our penises out. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Touching, kissing, 
feeling groping. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting, dude. Yes, it's beautiful. Uh, so the second half, a lot more brutal than the first half, uh, because yep. mainly because she takes on the crazy 88, uh, yep. Ren she Ren's, uh, Ren's uh, own personal army, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, yep. it's very cool, very cool battle scenes. And her, uh, what's her name, um, her assistant? Go-Go. Uh, Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The school the girl. Little, the school girl. Yeah. Has a nice little fight with her too. Yeah, it's pretty uh, severe. And she get, gives her forewarning. She sort of says, you know, I don't want to do this sort of thing basically. And then Gogo sort of just laughs at her and then they get yep. it on and then she gets some nails in the head. From a, yeah, from a um, table leg. Yeah, she gets nailed. I like the weapon um, she used though. They're like the, the chain with the ball on yeah, it. Yeah, what's that? That's called something. I can't remember what it's called. Ball but and it's, chain? Nah, I can't remember what it's called. Is it like yeah. a sex toy? Your views <laughs> yeah, could work as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you put the ball in or the handle into your rectum? Oh, you'd, you'd, no, you'd put you'd like you'd really jam the ball up your ass. You'd, <laughs> you'd, you'd use it. You'd push that button that opens the blades, and yep. then you'd just rip it out. I with, think our reviews are like none other in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about how we'd use the weapons on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you got any more facts for us, Glennie boy? Jesus, mate, you've caught me off guard. I did. The, uh, I just said to you, you got any fucking yeah. facts, and you said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he caught off guard again. <laughs> um, I'm prepared. Here. I've got to say, I love the music throughout the movie. I think the music, yeah. the music, uh, and it's just, I think I say it with every uh, Quentin Tarantino movie, he's very particular about the score. And. It's always so spot on. I think I think it's brilliant. I think each piece is perfect for the actual scene. You would you would think that while he's actually writing the movie, and I'm sure I'm I'm assuming a lot of directors and writers do it, where they they're writing a certain scene for a movie and they've already got a soundtrack or something going yeah. in their head. Yeah. While it's um. Oh, yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Like if I was writing a movie, I think all I all I'd hear in my head is metal. I reckon all you'd hear is, I'm too sexy for this song. <laughs> <laughs> right, said Fred. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hit us with some facts. Okay, one more here. Well, I'll do a couple more. Yeah. When uh, when it was pointed out to Uma Thurman that her character's code name in the film Black Mamba was also the name of a type of vibrator, she replied, in my personal experience, I've never come across that particular model, and I've tried a few. Ooh, oh, Jesus. Jesus. Has she tried the ball and chain? Upper Vajaja. <laughs> I'm sure she has, mate. I'm sure she has. Um, and I'm pretty sure Harvey Weinstein tried to put it there too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. So he's the producer of this movie. Yeah. Isn't he, yeah. He, him and he, him and his brother with the. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, the producers doing a bit they, of spit well, roasting the, on the couch. I think, other than um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, he's done all of Tarantino's yeah, films. Okay. Wow. So it's a bit weird talking about it when we know that half of the women have probably been on his casting couch. Well, maybe, yeah. It definitely taints things a little bit, knowing yeah. that he's behind stuff, you know, knowing, knowing his reputation now, I suppose, but, yeah. Yeah, but we can't hold that against Tarantino and his films because no, he's a great no, filmmaker. exactly, yeah. Um, so, originally... Ha Weinstein, obviously, just the money man, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, he, and, and it wasn't just him. Mm. Like, he made a lot, a lot of... Um, uh, film stars in Hollywood, um, like Meryl Streep was a big fan of his. Yeah, um, yep. Jennifer Lawrence and all that. And you you wouldn't think that he would have had all of them. Nah. on his casting couch. But, but even if he like, you know, pushed one person into doing some things they didn't really want to do, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he's 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 a sicko. Well. 
funnily enough, because I was actually going to ask you, what would you have done for Harvey Weinstein to get into a Tarantino movie? Um, anything he asked of me, pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes, Luke, I'm going to pull out my black little dick. <laughs> I think because he had like a crusty... Like, oh, did he? Yeah, like he was something wrong with his dick. Oh, it was Jesus all, Christ. It was all crusty and black. Oh. <laughs> Just to add not, to his character. Not that it make it, it would make it better if it was a, a strong, healthy member. <laughs> no. But, yeah, my, my decision would still be I don't want to go there. But the thought of him having a crunchy, crusty, old, broken penis is kind of sick and kind of yeah. funny as well. Yeah. Um, uh, is that one of the facts you've got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I brought that in myself. No, I was going nice. to actually say that um, originally these um, volume one and two were meant to be one That's right, link- yeah, lengthy one long film. movie. And like you said, four hours it would have been or something. Yeah, well, I think once I they know. decided, I think it was going to be somewhere in the vicinity of three to three and a half hours, but mm. once they decided that they were going to... Um, Cut the film in Split two. In half, yeah. yeah, then I think he actually um, made each um, each movie a bit longer. He yeah, added okay. Stuff so to sort of it. rounded off as a movie. Yeah, itself. yeah, yeah, rather, yeah okay. rather than making um, one long movie, make make two shorter movies, but still make them decent sized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I look, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, uh, well, as I, I mentioned, it. I think. I've seen it uh, several times now. and um, But I think leaving a couple of years between each viewing, yeah, it, it sort of feels like I'm watching it with fresh eyes again. Yep. And, um, yeah, and yeah, and you remember bits like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that section. I really do enjoy, I'm not a, wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of anime, but I really enjoy the anime sections in this film. I think mm-hmm. it's really cleverly, uh, a clever use of the, the medium. Um, and as I say, I think the music, I think the violence was, yes, well over the top. But <laughs> I don't know, it, was, it kind of worked for the film. And for the bloodthirsty vengeance she's she's going for, you know. So yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, for, for me, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd go four stars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or three and a half. No, four stars. Four yeah. stars. Yeah. Nice. What about you, mate? Well, uh, again, like you, it, it's probably been a, lot, a little while since I've seen this one, mm. and I still do love it. And from here on in, all the movies that we do do. I love. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any of these, the rest of these films that I dislike. So. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give this one four and a half. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah really, Good, strong I, four and a half. Yeah, I nice. love this movie. Excellent. Well, it's been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to, like we said earlier as well, we're, the next one will be Kill Bill Volume 2. Yep. Just for the completionist in you. Yeah, just for me. Just that. for me. Yeah. I have to do it. <laughs> yeah. I won't be able so, to So uh, we'll try and do that sooner rather than later. Yep. Uh, but as for tonight on Kill Bill 1, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, continue with the show. Thank you. And we're back in. Hello, everyone. Big Was here. You're uh, listening to Fly on the Wall Podcast, episode 151. Now, whether or not you're enjoying this particular episode, if you look back over our catalogue now of the other 150, you're going to find all sorts of things you like. You're going to find some things you don't like. You're going to some. You're going to find some things you love. You can have a good laugh. You might have a bit of a serious listen from time to time. You may occasionally look. 150 episodes. Even one of them might teach you something. Who knows? 
or it might just make you realize that you're a lot smarter than you think when put up against a couple of dickheads like us. But either way, if you do happen to listen to more than a couple of episodes and you enjoy what you're you're listening to and uh, you want to get involved, you want to ask a question, you want to tell us something interesting, you want to request a, a subject to for us to, to discuss, to uh, fumble our words over, please feel free to get in touch. We have a couple of ways to do it. Normally, I forget them. I, may, I went to the effort to actually put them down and make sure that I could actually reel them off with, you know, a low degree of confidence rather than no confidence at all. So, you've got the email address, which is the Fly on the Wall Podcast 1-1 at gmail.com. Feel free to get in touch that way. You can send us anything you like. And, you know, if you would enjoy having, like, a little soundbite clip promoting yourself, uh, an Instagram page, something that you might do, a business, uh, a bit of a side hobby, get in touch. Let us know what it is, um, and you feel free to promote it. We, we don't get anything for this, but you know what? We're more than happy to talk about stuff that helps you guys get your name out there, and, uh, you yeah, we can do it together. Just feel free to tell everyone you know about this podcast. Instagram is podcast one one and you put an underscore between each of the words, but not between podcast and 11. 11 comes straight after podcast. And on Twitter, it's at flyonthewall, P-O-1. Now, even if you start to follow us there, I'm not particularly diligent at doing much. You're lucky if I promote the episode, which is not very good, is it? But I find I don't have the natural way of, uh, you know, getting out name out there I think that Luke does he's got a good knack for it but feel free to you know send me something kick me into gear kick my ass around a bit and get me into gear it'd be great to hear from you all right so what were we talking about before I was going on about some music I was listening to but you know what kick things off get in touch tell me if there's anything that you find yourself enjoying you know what I actually really like classical music I really like orchestral scores for games, for movies, for older movies, for brand new movies. Um, I like industrial music. I like electronic music from time to time. I like it when it crosses over with other genres. I like country music. I like rock. I I think the only one that I've never really got my head wrapped around is R&B. And that's maybe I'm not looking at the bigger picture. Um... Maybe there's more to learn about it than I realise. I'd love to be educated. I'm not sure I could be converted, but I might learn something and have a new appreciation for some stuff. I do like hip-hop to a degree. And again, uh, just like with electronic stuff, I like crossovers with rap. I like hip-hop and rap when it's, you know, it's mixed with other things. It can work really well. Um, But... Just because during that little break there, I was actually in a store going through some photos and things for my beloved's upcoming birthday. Now, I'm not going to... I don't want to say what age it is because she's not been looking forward to it. But I will say it is one of those pivotal ones. And you can use your imagination. I'm sure you can work it out. I know she's not very excited about it. But I'm just trying to put together some uh, some photos and things to adequately... Uh, assemble her life in pictorial form 
for people that come along and you know I'm trying not to make it an obvious thing because it's not really my style probably to get that like try and be organized enough to do something like that so I'm trying to do it a little bit surreptitiously so we'll see how we go with that if it's successful but um I guess the thing about looking through photos and probably some I haven't seen a lot I have seen but then also stuff from that's earlier in her life um, and this goes for anybody that you may know really well. I don't know, it just gives you a, a really full appreciation of what makes them who they are. You know, like their heritage, their background, their upbringing, um, some of the trials and tribulations that people face as they're growing up. And some, you know, they might have a pretty um, gifted kind of childhood or they might have a bit of a struggle growing up. But whatever those steps in their story are, it's made them who they are today. And I guess I was just feeling very grateful uh, for the person that she is. I mean, we, we've been together now 13 years um, and she has, you know, I don't want to make this too emotional, but I think, you know, it's a nice platform to be able to talk about it this way and I'm sure you've got people in your life that mean as much to you and, you know, perhaps it'll make you think about them a little bit more and I, I don't ever think that's a bad thing. But yeah, thinking about what she's meant to us, um, we got together and I had three children already. Really didn't think there was much kind of hope for me, really, in, in all honesty. And uh, along comes a, a beautiful goddess of a woman and really became uh, an amazing central part of our life, uh, an amazing stepmother and luckily for me also an amazing mother to our two girls and I guess it's just been it's been loaded with gifts you know and some are the more obvious ones and then others are the ones that when you look back and you say wow what a great experience we've had together look at all the stuff we've done in a lot of ways I wish we could do more and maybe that's because we you know got together a little bit not later in our lives but you know a little further into the journey maybe there's still time for all of those things too I'd love to be able to travel with her I'd love to be able to go um, to Italy where her family's from and that's her background her history Um, but yeah I'd love to just get around Australia too I think it's one of those things where like I think about a road trip like we were talking about earlier and I think about all these great little places and it could be an hour from here but it could be eight hours. It could be 20 hours. It could be a week's travelling to get there. I like thinking about those road trips. And I know that she doesn't tend to think too much like that. It's just like, oh, that'd be nice. But then, you know, we get a holiday and it's... I think we tend to think about, or I'll go to the airport, get on a plane and go to Queensland, for example. It's a very popular destination. Um, but, yeah, there's so many little places I'd love to go with her. Whether we're camping, whether we're staying in a motel whether we're in like one of those little cabins in a caravan park. I don't know if uh, everyone has them around the world. But, um, yeah, I'd love to just see a bit more. And I think hopefully now that our girls are kind of in the middle of uh, their primary school years and our bigger kids are, sadly, you know, they're growing up and they're going to be wanting to do their own bits and pieces. And my oldest son, Matthew, you, you know, I've had on the podcast before when Luke's been in Queensland, coincidentally, um, he was telling me that he's got a trip planned with some mates to Tasmania, 
the apple aisle. <laughs> um, but I think that's great. I, I'm excited for it. I'm actually overjoyed to hear that that's what they're planning. I think that, um, you know, taking that chance and getting out there and seeing a little bit more of Australia is awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's opening up around the world now, now that uh, I guess the, the vaccine has been well and truly rolled out and things are starting to relax in terms of international travel and all that sort of thing. But I think, you know, start at a good scale. And I think Tasmania is fantastic. You're still going off the mainland. So that's cool in itself. Um, it feels like a little bit of an intrepid location. I mean, it's one of the oldest uh, settled areas in Australia. But it, it sort of still feels like it's a little bit in the past or it's still steeped in history. But I don't know. It doesn't move along as quickly as the rest of Australia. It hasn't had that... Um, boom in development in the cities that that Brisbane and Sydney, Melbourne, Perth have all had. Adelaide, it is temp- it is sorry, not temporarily. It is permanently stuck in about the late 80s. I don't know what it is. It's just got this feel about it that's a bit calmer. It's a bit slower. It's a bit more chilled. But I like that. Um, but it is for a city a sleepy place. I mean, I'm talking now basically 20 years ago so you know what it's probably a thriving mecca (laughs) people are probably like when they come to australia they go where are you gonna go mate i'm gonna go to fucking adelaide mate i'm gonna fucking adelaide have you heard about that place in fucking party central maybe it is maybe it's something i need to learn on my next road trip anyway uh so yeah i was thinking about all that stuff what i'd like to still do with her and um be able to experience and yeah, I look forward to it. So happy birthday, sweetheart. I love you. And yeah, see, it's great when you get to hijack the show a bit, isn't it? I can just talk about whatever I want. And next, we're going to talk about the Cold War. Next week is just going to be a Cold War expose. We're just going to talk about everything Cold War. No, not really. It's okay. Maybe some sort of easy listening podcast where you can't get to sleep and I just play some really quiet sort of music in the background and discuss. Um, political machinations of the Cold War. You just slow it right down, take some deep breaths, talk you through it step by step, right from the end of World War II, right up to the fall of communism. Wouldn't you love that? I feel sleepy just saying. Um, Luke's nightmare, that's what I like to think. Um, But yeah, anyway, very excited about that. Now, I'm almost home now. Uh, hopefully the quality of this recording hasn't been too bad. I have sort of had it propped on my knee, so I apologise if it's a little less. I do have a shittier phone than Luke as well, uh, so I think that's where, I, when I've recorded stuff, you can hear it plain as day. One day we will actually have some kind of reliable setup, but then again, then it wouldn't be the Fly on the Wall podcast. You come along, you join us in whatever setting we find ourselves, you know? And I think that's part of the fun. But, yeah, I'm going to sign off again. I'm going to come back. But before we go to the break, I am going to, of course, tell you three more Chuck Norris facts. Where were we last time? Here we go. Number four. When the teacher wanted to talk to Chuck Norris, he had to raise his hand. Number five. (laughs) Death once had a near Chuck Norris experience. Number six, ghosts tell Chuck Norris stories at the campfire. 
and I'll be right back. Are you bored with life? Are you jerking off into a sock or talking to plants because you think they can hear you? Well, why not tune into the Fly on the Wall podcast to brighten up your shitty existence? Hey, I'm back again. Uh, no, it didn't take me six months. It just took me overnight. I thought I'd better come back and do some final thoughts for my fair listeners. Luke has he's dropped his influence in. He's assembled the episode. And I think he's inserted a nice little bit of a special with the gorgeous Glenn. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed any other little surprises he's tucked in there for us. Um, and I thought, well, if nothing else, you're going to come back to check out the last three Chuck Norris facts because that's been educational, I bet. You never knew these things about Chuck Norris. And now you can go out there into the wide world and share it. So, where, we, where is my last three? Here they are. The Dead Sea was alive before Chuck Norris swam there. <laughs> the Swiss Army uses Chuck Norris knives. Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. There you go. Aren't they good? I think it's how you tell them, isn't it? <laughs> That's what gets you in. So I hope you've liked uh, the rambling kind of mess. No, the outpouring of random conversation I've had with you. Um, I hope you continue to have a good week. I hope if you're not having a good week that it gets better. Um, hope you find time to smile and yeah make sure you tell someone about the podcast and get them to check it out as well I'm sure there's something there for everybody so feel free to give it a go sorry guys just uh, concentrating on the driving of the car it's a very narrow road you risk sending people off hurtling into space (laughs) if you don't pull over um yeah, and I will see you next week. Now, I'll probably have a special guest with me next week for episode 152. But until then, stay safe. I'll catch you soon. Be good to your goats. And be good to, well, I don't know, any other strange random animal that seems to appeal to you on that day. All right, guys. Toodles.